Welcome back, everybody. This is Eric and Matt, and this is Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit, your beacon of freedom and the American way of life. Tune in every Friday for a new episode as we dive into the world of liberty and what makes our country great. Today, we are going to be discussing freedom in the most awesome way we possibly can, and we're going to be talking about some of our favorite guns for protecting yourselves. We figured, you know, with all the stuff going on, the rioting, the looting, all of these things, people have put um, a very stark importance on self-preservation, all right? And there's been a lot of new people, as we mentioned in previous podcasts, that are new to guns and that are new to the gun world, and they're new to the idea of self-preservation, primarily by having the tools available to do so. Gun sales are up right now at the at the uh, recording of this podcast, about 80%. Um, and just to give you an idea of those numbers, the gun sales are up to a little bit over the point that they would normally be on an average December. So usually around December, folks are buying guns as gifts and everything. You know, lots of people purchase things during the month of uh, December for Christmas and things like that. So to put that in perspective, here we are in March. Or no, we're in May. I'm sorry. Here June. We, oh, we're in June, June already. Oh, yeah. my gosh. So I was thinking of the May numbers, uh, Matt. But here we are in June. And in June, the gun sales are at the same level they would be on an average Christmas month, which is crazy. I mean, gun sales are at an all-time high. People are very, very interested in self-preservation, as they should be. And we thought this would be a really cool opportunity during this podcast to talk about some of our favorite guns, why we like them, and why we think they fill that role of self-preservation uh, so well. Yeah, and I mean, right now is no better time to consider that with all of, uh, well, with everything going on right now, um, the civil unrest. And, you know, just a quick uh, side note. I was at a family gathering um, a couple days ago, and um, I'm pretty well known in my family to be the gun guy. Um, they always look to me. They say, hey, what do you think about this? And I'm no subject matter expert, but I'm, I'm much more familiar with this world than they are. And for them to come up and ask me, and these are traditionally uh, non-gun people, and they come up to me and they say, hey, Matt, uh, you know, I'm really considering getting a firearm. I would love it if you could show me the ropes, if you could show me how everything works um, and, you know, help me out. And I almost felt like I had earned uh, some form of badge of honor because I was like, these are guys that I couldn't get on my best day to agree with me on, you know, the the Second Amendment stance and, you know, all of that good stuff. And here they are now. They've seen the light. They go, oh, this is we can't depend on people to to protect me. We it's up to us. We have to do it. So I almost felt validated at that at that point because um, I'd lo- I love to I'd love to show them how everything operates and get them more comfortable with it. Um, so with everything going on right now, uh, there is a huge uptick in gun purchases, uh, and I'm really glad that it is that way because it's making it normal now it's no you don't see anybody you know putting up a fight about the second amendment dude now. i i feel like the gun culture as we know it has been kind of set forward it's we're on like a leap forward type of a situation and yep. i think that the gun debate in terms of how valid guns are to a free society and how the anti-gunners always want to push us into that hole of oh why do you need that that conversation, it's shut down for at least two generations. Like, Easily. I, I think that the Second Amendment has been revalidated, uh, and it's going to be that way for quite some time. The anti-gunners have an extreme uphill battle because now there are a lot of people, even within their own fold, that are going, holy crap, the police can't always protect us, right? As wrong as it is for someone to think, oh, well, the police are always there to protect me. They actually don't have a, a duty to protect us. That's right. Anyway, so we're going to get into this, and I thought a fun way for us to do it is um, 
we're going to go kind of by categories a little bit so that some of our listeners that maybe may not be really familiar with firearms, this will kind of give them a little bit of a reasoning for why we select certain categories for what we deem to be like our favorite guns. So this is kind of like a five guns video that Chad and I would do on YouTube, except it's actually going to go into a little bit more detail. So this should be fun for some of the folks that are, uh, that are out there. Okay. Um, let's probably dive into the type of firearm that I think most people are probably going to be uh, getting into for their first gun and everything like that, and also a very commonly uh, encountered defensive firearm is going to be probably a pistol of some sort. And um, so, all right, why, why is a pistol useful? Pistols are easy to conceal. Uh, they're relatively easy to shoot. Uh, the price... Wise, I would say that they're pretty much in line with many types of rifles, shotguns, and other forms of guns. Um, but price point, there are a wide variety of different price levels, uh, all the way from really, really inexpensive, all the way up to a, a finely fitted, engraved, you know, custom piece that could cost yeah. a lot of money. But generally, handguns represent most people's first firearm purchase because they associate a handgun with um with self-defense i don't know why that is i'm more of a shotgun guy mm -hmm. but it also depends on where you are and what type of situations you may find yourself in a handgun represents a turnkey solution get a good holster get a good handgun and you generally got a great way to protect yourself and it's super easy to conceal and i think that that um you know really sort of you know that that idea people relate to that a lot more because also with a handgun, you can uh, lock it up, hide it a lot easier. You don't have to have as large of a gun safe. Right. You know, you can hide it from children. You can lock it easily. So they have a lot of uh, entry, um, you know, certain things in terms of intricacies that go along with them that make them maybe a little bit more desirable than other types of guns. So handguns, um, probably the most important thing that people are going to initially think about is, hey, what cartridge should I get my handgun chambered in? And this subject draws a heck of a lot of debate amongst many people, amongst Second Amendment scholars. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going to have people that uh, that go, oh, well, you need this caliber, that caliber. Um, I think a nine mil is probably a good all around solid choice. What do you think? No, I 100% agree with you. I think nine mil is probably the go to um, cartridge, the go to um, caliber that you would want in a in a personal defense situation you know you can you can get away with a 380 all to all of those and this is like you know if you're going getting into like you know uh, edc and you'll see people in the the uh the gun snob world a uh, 380 380 is not good then stand over there and let somebody shoot you with it because i guarantee right. you you will die um and I understand that, you know, there's always that argument like, well, you're, you're taking a, tr a risk of it, you know, not penetrating all the way. Then shoot him again. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, you're not just going to shoot once. Like, you're going to hit, follow up, hit. Did you get the desired result? Is he down? No. Give him the gas. Like, that's, the, <laughs> that's, guys, well, it's, it's, so the, way it the is. thing is, what I like about 9mm, 9mm is good because you get fast follow up shots. You generally have really good capacity. Right. I like to have a magazine with a generous amount of capacity. So, those are a couple of pro points to the 9mm. Okay. Now, some people ask, well, what about 40 Smith & Wesson? What about 45 ACP? Look, 40 Smith & Wesson, to be clear, is one of the best one-shot stops on the street. 180 grain, you know, HST or 180 grain gold dot with a good shot placement, and you're not walking away from that. It is a very effective one-shot stopper. That's okay, a very... 40, 40 Smith & Wesson is a very capable cartridge. I'm, I, You know what? In all honesty, I'm not... Um I'm I I'm not too familiar with Forty Smith and Wesson, and I'll tell you when I saw it sitting on your when I said it, saw it sitting on your cabinet, I looked at you and said, "I said Jesus, what is that?" And you said, "It's a Forty Smith and Wesson. That thing is massive, man. You want to yeah. talk about throwing some lead?" Yeah. Oh well, the thing is, is the reason that Forty Smith and Wesson was developed was as a shortened version of the ten millimeter cartridge because a lot of the the smaller framed FBI agents back in the eighties. Uh, they were struggling qualifying with the 10 millimeter because that's what the FBI issued at the time was a 10 millimeter handgun, right. which is fine. Uh, and 10 millimeter 
is an extraordinary pistol cartridge. It is fantastic, but it is snappy on the recoil, and some of the smaller frame uh, agents were having a hard time qualifying with it, so they developed the short and wimpy, or Smith & Wesson, but the 40 Smith & Wesson is the shortened version of a 10 millimeter, and it's a good cartridge. It's really came out of its own. So, um, you know, no matter what cartridge you select, I think that it's important to choose a platform that you like and that you shoot well, and to take the time to go and rent different pistols and figure out, you know, what works for you. So, um, the majority of my defensive units are 9 millimeter. And my pistol of choice, uh, I am very much a SIG M17 fan. I bought Brandy the M18. It's fantastic. And I'm not on the SIG bandwagon here, but I kind of am. I like the P365, uh, both in the XL configuration and the short configuration. Uh, I am a humongous Glock 26 guy. I love the 26. I love the 19X. So there are tons of great 9mm pistols out there that will serve many of you quite well that are easy to shoot, easy to disassemble and clean, plenty of parts, plenty of magazines, plenty of aftermarket components. Um, I've got a Glock 17L that is one in one of the Flux well, it's braces. A, it's a beauty, man. Dude, yeah. and that Flux is such a cool setup. So there's a lot of functionality that can be added to pistols, and without going too far down the rabbit hole, we're going to get Matt's input here in a second, but I just want to mention, too, that pistols are nice because you compare it with a pistol caliber carbine yes. in a similar magazine type. And you can have a carbine and a pistol that interchange magazines. So that way you don't have to have a bunch of extra mags laying around of a different type. You can run you know, the same caliber, same magazine, and be able to extend the range of a pistol by having a pistol caliber carbine as well. Or you may forego the idea of a handgun altogether and just stick with a PCC, and that's certainly an option as well. Yeah, and I, I think for handguns, um, you know, if it's an, it depends on the situation, it would dictate what you know, you're recommending or what your favorite, you know, gun is. Um, for EDC, I'm a, a Smith and Wesson Shield. Uh, you know, I, I love the concept of it. I think that yes, they're they were first to market with that uh, with that type of uh, I guess size frame autoloader. There have been other companies that uh, came out with higher capacity, like Sig. Um, you know, Glock is probably one of the the ones that are able to match it. But Sig really uh, came out, and even the Hellcat uh, came out, and they they really overtook the shield as far as capacity goes mm -hmm. but you did give up size with like girth it is a little bit wider um so if you're edc i, I do like to keep a slimmer profile um you know I, i'm a shield guy as far as edc goes home defense um you probably want a longer slide something that's a little bit bigger so you know to that person that asked me hey what would I'm thinking about getting a, a handgun. If you said, hey, I'm getting a handgun for home defense only. I, know, I don't plan on carrying it outside the house. This is my, my you know, someone kicking in my door gun, handgun. Uh, I'd definitely go with a long slide, like a full-size Glock, m maybe even a 17L, <laughs> just because you get much more uh, recoil management. Uh, you have a little bit more between the sight radius. Um and if you were going to look at those two, I'd probably carry one for home defense or have one for home defense and have one for PCC or for EDC. And like you said, you may want to forego and go with the PCC. I would say the Flux Brace is a great meeting of the two. You don't have to, because the PCC is for as a, as a third weapon, a tertiary weapon, as they would say, um, it can get expensive. Yeah. You can get a, you can get a 17L or a long slide, um, get that flux, and it bridges that gap between having that recoil management. Because when we shot that thing, like zero recoil, you're you're to put rounds on target very quickly. Um, and me personally, I would feel very comfortable in that situation if I had to go through my house with um, a, either a Sig or a Glock with a flux brace. One hundred percent comfortable. Oh yeah. Yeah, and Ben over there, he is a he's a great dude, and he makes a great product, and I, I'm very much a fan of the Fluxes. And uh, I will say this, uh, if you are going to decide on like a full-size gun uh, for the house or whatever, uh, the 19X is a great option. So I've got a 19X here, um, I'm just going to 
check out here. Now this one's got a set of Trigicon night sights on it, and I've got a Streamlight TLR1 HL on it. Uh, that's a very high output light, and uh, and I, the holster that I have for this particular gun is an Alien Gear uh, Rapid Force, and this particular holster is available with three levels of of retention. This one is a, a dual retention with just a lever. Okay, so this is a, a two-stage retention holster, but this molded holster is actually set up to run the weapons light uh, on the gun as well. So this is a fantastic option in a full-size carry unit. Uh, you can get 33-round mags for them. This one has a 19-shot mag, so it's a 17-round body with the plus two on the bottom. Uh, so that's 19 shots in the magazine. And um, this particular handgun is the Glock that was introduced to compete in the U.S. Army's uh, or the military's modular handgun contract. This was one of the pistols that was submitted for that contract. Uh, the SIG M17-1, uh, but this is a fantastic gun. And in my opinion, probably one of the best Glocks yeah, is it, the 19X it, it, by far. It won, but it didn't beat it. You know, this is one of, right. those, it's one of those weird things. Yeah, it wins, but it didn't beat it. Um, I was a huge fan of the 19X when you first got this in. Um, I think the combination of having that longer slide with the frame um, is, is just a really, really good combination. Well, it's a mullet gun. You yeah. got the 17 frame, but yeah. with the 19 slides, yes, yes, you yes. have a bigger frame. But people have been doing that on their own. All they did, right. all they did was made it, official. Made, made it a factory <laughs> thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it points great. The accuracy on it is great. Um, Dude. I was, I was a huge fan. Huge yeah. fan. So with handguns, I think the takeaway is that no matter what cartridge you decide to go with in your handgun, um, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch in terms of finding a gun that is going to kind of have a marriage of shootability and compact nature in terms of being able to carry it. Um, you almost have to have a couple of handguns, like maybe a good full-size handgun with a slide rider or something and, and like a good duty holster or something or a larger holster. And then like maybe your compact unit for when you're trying to be really incognito. I will say this, though. A gun that marries those concepts exceptionally well is the SIG P365 because it's a double stack. You get some good capacity. You can still carry appendix. You can carry it inside the waistband. Uh, you can carry it in a wide variety of different configurations, and it still is very compact. But the gun is still exceptionally shootable. It's very, very shootable and very accurate for a compact gun. Probably one of the most accurate compact pistols I've ever used. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people confuse the size with comfort. Uh, one thing you, you do have to be careful of is that, like say, for smaller framed individuals, they gravitate towards the smaller guns because in their head they think that it's going to fit their hands better, unbeknownst to them that it's going to have less recoil management right. and it's going to be extremely snappy, uh, and they're not prepared for that. Uh, it's almost like the opposite. They don't mm -hmm. understand that you need more mass to absorb that recoil and, and it improves the shootability. So they gravitate away from the larger frames because in their mind, they want them that fits their hand. Um, so for a home defense situation, that's why I always recommend a, a full size duty. Like even like uh, if you wanted to go up in size to like the FNX, I understand there's some issues with the, with the actual gun, but you know, FNX 45 with a full size, you can you can really take a hold of that full size cartridge because you have a duty size gun, and yep. you know it, you're able to mitigate that recoil um, versus something like you know a smaller Glock or a Micro that's really it's gonna it's gonna hurt you when you when you're a well, smaller you know, frame person. I would say that no matter what type of handgun that you wind up running. Now, obviously, some of the really small handguns may not have a rail system, so this might be a little yeah, bit harder true. to deal with. But I'd recommend any home defense pistol, you need to have a weapons light. Invest in a weapons light because you want to be able to identify your target and what's beyond it. And it's just it's, it's good to be able to search and destroy in your home. If someone's trying to hurt you, you need to be able to identify if they're a threat or if there was some drunk that stumbled into your house by mistake. I mean, you don't want to... You, you've got to be able to identify your target and what's beyond it, and a weapons light is a super crucial component of that, right? So make sure you put a good weapons light on your handgun. Um, and a lot of ranges, I'll just end by saying this on the handgun uh, route, is that a lot of ranges do rent guns. So a lot of these uh, pistols that we've mentioned here in this podcast, most 
reputable ranges that offer rentals will probably have one of those guns to rent. Go in and shoot them and try them out before you make a purchase and and help you know kind of solidify your decision a little bit. Yeah, they'll they'll apply that rental charge to the the purchase of the gun uh, almost a hundred percent of the time. I don't know any range that doesn't do that. They will, yep. you know, to my to my knowledge, everyone that I've ever been to, they said, hey, if you decide that you want to purchase a gun, not just this gun, but if you rent a gun and you want to purchase a gun the same day, they will apply your range fees to that purchase of that gun. Okay. Um, so that's been my experience with it. Good uh, good point there. Yep. All right. So let's move on to the next uh, natural transgression, when, you know, or natural, natural progression, I should say, when it comes to uh, self-defense firearms. We discussed pistols. Um, let's get into shotguns a little bit. Uh, I'm a big shotgun guy. I, I love shotguns, and I'm a fan of 12 gauges. Mm-hmm. And I think for the purposes of a defensive unit, 12 gauge is pretty much going to be the standard uh, not only because of it, it's it's kind of like the universal shotgun gauge, I think, for, for defensive loads, yep. but also because um, the recoil is not so bad on a 12-gauge. I mean, you, you could go 10-gauge or you could go 20-gauge. I mean, they do make tactical 20-gauge shotguns. The amount of defensive loads available right. in a 20-gauge or a 16-gauge or even a 10-gauge are extremely limited compared to the amount of defensive loads that can be purchased for a 12-gauge. So for the purposes of, of this podcast, I'm going to recommend a 12-gauge just because it's like the universal shotgun gauge, primarily for defensive units. And I'm going to recommend a semi-auto shotgun over a pump. Um, I'm a semi-auto kind of guy. As am I. I love semi-auto shotguns. They are awesome. They're usually really easy to handle. They come in a wide variety of different price ranges and specs. You can usually mount a flashlight to most of them pretty easily. Uh, you can get extensions. Um, the extensions that I run for all of my shotguns, uh, I use the Nordic Components uh, extensions, and their tubes are excellent. They're well-made, and they work you know, exceptionally well. They've also got the Nordic Components, uh, like, I think what do they call that thing? It's like the uh, anti-friction um, shell guide or whatever that they put in there. The, mm-hmm. the follower, the shell follower that goes right. in there. Uh, Nordic also makes an, a low friction version of that follower that you can get. So they do make some performance uh, enhancing um, parts as well for different shotguns, and they also make the barrel clamps that are meant to support their their uh, magazine extensions. Okay. And those barrel clamps are usually threaded for rail sections. So even if you don't have a shotgun with a rail system on it that can accept a light, once you do uh, Nordic up and get yourself an extension, you can add that piece of pick rail and then add you a surefire light or whatever you want on there. I recommend a flashlight on a defensive shotgun. Uh, definitely not a bad thing to have. Um, a great shotgun to look into if you're on a budget uh, would be the Mossberg 930. Uh, that's a semi-auto Mossberg. Um, this year, Mossberg just released the new 940, which is Jerry Mitchell's new competition gun, and it's called the 940. Uh, but the 930 is still in production. They're still available. And sometimes you can waltz into a pawn shop or a gun store and find them used for like 500 bucks. So that's a great, uh, you know, a great budget option for right. a semi-auto shotgun. Now, if you want to go on the other end of the spectrum and, and get like I know a what really gonna, nice I know what you're going to say. You can get like a Benelli I M4 yep. or Benelli M3. Now, that, that kind of represents a higher-end shotgun, uh, and they certainly are nice, uh, but they are a lot more money. They got that nice price tag on them, yes, too. Yes, they do. <laughs> I, but I, I know that um, you know through the years I've known you that you're a Benelli M4 guy, yeah. Um, and even the Super 90s, I know you have a – you just like Benelli in general. They're great shotguns. I mean, I have to agree with you, man. They are – you know, if you if you want just a super high-quality, high-end shotgun, Benelli's the way to go. Home defense, when I think home defense, pistols work great because you're in a confined space. You have hallways. In my mind, shotguns, if it's a home defense shotgun – um, I imagine because I'm I'm just thinking of the layout of my house, you, you know, hallways. You have to have something compact. I like semi-auto. I'd probably go with like a TAC 13, uh, TAC 14, even. Um, they have the and there's other you know uh, Black Aces makes the modified um, 
shockwave that's like a semi-auto shockwave. And the Black Aces also has a semi-auto version, too. Yeah. I haven't shot one yet. Right. I think it holds like four shots. Yeah. But, I mean, you're putting four four shots a double up buck. I mean, you're pop, 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 pop. Um, give them the gas, as they say. Um, so, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, compact, something that you can really get into those hallways, uh, stairwells. Weapons lights. Uh, when you said that, Eric, I kind of I kind of chuckled because I just heard uh, Clint Smith's voice in the back of my head with his little like raspy smoker's voice, and he's like, <laughs> "I'm not even gonna do the imitation," but he just says, um, "You know, the only he's like use the weapons light to turn on your light." He's like, "Why fight in the dark?" He's like, "You have power. Turn the light switch on." <laughs> <laughs> he's right. <laughs> I was like. It was like this revelation. He was like, why? Like, why are you fighting in the dark? Like, He's like, turn the light switch on. He's like, you have power. They didn't cut the power. <laughs> Who we know positive <laughs> identification is a huge part yeah. of protecting yourself. And there's also some legalities that you may be presented with, right? I mean, so what if you were involved in a personal defense shooting, whether in your home or out of your home? But let's just say for this situation, inside your home. Mm-hmm. What's going to look better to a prosecutor who's going to try to string you up for being a gun owner and protecting yourself? What's going to look better? I had a weapons light, and I identified the threat, and I and I identified it as a threat, and I stopped the threat. Or, well, I just fired indiscriminately into a dark location in my home, and it just so happened to be somebody that wasn't supposed to be there and that was a threat because they were armed. Right. So the whole thing with you know laws and the way that these things are approached in terms of self-defense law and whether something is a good shoot or not um positive identification is a a crucial component to that but also intent we always hear this word get thrown around intent right the way that the feds especially apply laws and apply well it's not really laws in the way that is more as it is an opinion. The way that they flex their opinion and interpret said laws against you as a gun owner, and primarily we're discussing the ATF, but the way that the feds apply those laws towards you, intent is a huge part of it, right? So it's like, hey, if I can go to court and I can say, well, yeah, my intent was to have you know a light on my gun so I could positively identify the threat. That's going to look a lot better. Of course. Uh, it's not always yeah. necessary. Um, and then there's also the idea that, you know, if you are going to get a shotgun, you don't necessarily have to get some crazy tactical shotgun or whatever that, that looks the part. You can just get a, you know, good old-fashioned Remington 870 or, Rem- or a Remington uh, 1100 right. with the wood furniture. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be some crazy tacked-out gun because then the argument could be, well, sir, this guy just kicked in my door, and I just had Grandpa's old hunting shotgun here. So see, yeah. some prosecutor ain't going to go, he had a light and a laser, and he had rounds that looked like miniature bombs in this thing. and <laughs> Laser and engra- engraved Punisher skulls everywhere. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> so no matter what you do, I'm not saying don't personalize your gun. I'm not saying don't buy something that's real tactical with extended rails and, and, and extra mags. And I'm not saying I'm a FUD either. Okay. I don't want to be, I don't be accused <laughs> well, of being a FUD. Okay. But if you're going to do a shotgun, stick with 12 gauge, stick with a semi-auto, stick to what you can afford, take it out, shoot it, run it, make sure it works well with whatever ammo you're going to use. Um, you know, the federal flight control buckshot is a great option. Um, PMC loads number four buckshot that is very reasonably priced. You can usually get five rounds for like $3.50. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it, it's priced very reasonably. Number four buckshot is great because it really helps with overpenetration. Uh, if you're worried about shooting through multiple walls in your abodement, say you're in a, in a you know uh, apartment complex or a condominium complex or something like that, then, yeah, you probably want a shotgun round that's not going to overpenetrate. If you go sailing a slug and say you miss your assailant, and that slug might go through six walls before it stops. Right. So you got to be mindful of your target and what is beyond it. You need a flashlight to identify your target. You need the correct load in the gun to ensure you're not going to overpenetrate. Say you do hit your target. Well, you don't want the round going through the, the assailant and then through the wall and hitting your child in the crib. So... Be mindful of your target, what's beyond it, and choose the proper load for the proper scenario. And again, super important, make sure that you have a good quality weapons light that you can rely on. And if you want just the ultimate in zombie apocalypse uh, shotgun, go with the Fostech Origin. 
SBS. Oh my god! If you just want like the ultimate cool guy factor, you can't go wrong with that. That thing looks like something out of like a space marine like origin yep. story, man. The Ooh. yeah, the the origin is an exceptional shotgun. It's magazine fed. So you get into a couple of different forms of shotguns. Uh, you have tubular fed with a fixed tubular magazine. Uh, like probably 90% of all your shotguns. Then you have box-fed shotguns, and the Origin 12 that Matt is talking about um, is a box-fed shotgun, which means it has a removable magazine. Uh, right now I'm looking at a Vepr 12. And, you know, if you want a box-fed shotgun, the Vepr 12 is a good option as well. <clears throat> so shotguns are useful. And, and look, don't... Um, you know, don't undervalue a pump shotgun either. It, you, I recommend a semi-auto, but don't think you have to buy a semi-auto. You can get a good pump-action shotgun for very reasonable money. So if the barrier to entry on a semi-auto is a little bit much, even like an entry-level 930 for Mossberg is like 599 new. If that's too much for you to spend and you only got a few hundred bucks, you can go in a, in a gun shop or a pawn shop and you can find a used 870 or, you know, a used Mossberg 500 for probably a few hundred bucks if you look hard. Yeah. Now, yeah, it might be a little scratched up, a little bit used, but take it apart, clean it, um, you know, check it, take it out, test it, make sure it works, and you're good. And you can, and later on, if you feel like you want to, um, you know, uh, fix it, like get rid of some of that furniture, you can put new Magpul furniture on there. They make some great stocks, some some great heat shields. You can really, you can take something that you purchase from a pawn shop for a relatively inexpensive price, use it as a donor, uh, and mm-hmm. then add all of the cool guy stuff if you yep. want to go that route. And you'll still probably end up spending less than buying, you know, a really, really, you know, overpriced right. gun. Well, the nice thing about that, too, is that let's say you start out on a pump shotgun and then later on you wind up upgrading to a semi-automatic. Well, it doesn't mean you can't keep the pump shotgun and have it as backup or stage that gun in a different place Mm -hmm. if you're able to do it. And then you've got another shotgun staged up. I'm a big fan of staging guns in the home now. Of course, your situation is going to really kind of dictate you know, if you've got small children or if you're worried about other people in your abodement. But where we live, I'm in a rural area, and it's just Brandy and I, so we don't really have to worry about that. And we're very big on staging guns up strategically all over the place. So that way, if there's an issue or whatever, I've got plenty of stuff on tap. New York reload, as they say. you know, <laughs> Just throw down empty gun, pick up another one. <laughs> I, I believe um, Remington came out with a box-fed pump shotgun. Uh, I'll have to... I they believe do. they did, yeah. So, I mean, if you want the best of... Both. I mean, you have the reliability of a pump action with the capacity or the quick reload uh, of a box-fed shotgun, because that's really what the purpose of that is, is so you don't have to sit there and, and feed in each individual shell uh, into the tube, and you don't have to get you know super high-speed load two, shoot two, load two. Yep. You can just hit it, hit it, throw a new magazine in there like you would your AR, uh, and you're good to go. A one detractor from shotguns is that they are cumbersome to reload in a stressful situation, I mean, and to do it in a hurry. Now, some of these three-gun shooters, yeah, those guys are fast, and they've practiced it really well, Mm -hmm. and yeah, they can reload shotguns very quickly. They also have, in a lot of situations, specialized gear for carrying their shotgun shells on their side. You know, they have specialized feed chutes that they put on the shotguns to help the the shells feed in in just the right angle. So a lot of performance-enhancing things that are added to the competitor shotguns to help them get that extra level of speed. Now, sure, you can get to be very competent reloading a shotgun, but just know that I, the way I treat a shotgun is I'm going to I'm going to shoot it till it's empty and I'm going to throw it down and grab something else. Right. I'm not I'm not going to try to it it takes me more time to try to fumble in the dark and reload it in in a home defense situation than it does for me to throw it down and grab another gun. So that's why I stage up extra shotguns because I can keep multiple shotguns ready. Trust me. I can shoot a gun, throw it down, grab the other one and shoot it quicker than you can reload. Yeah. I don't care how fast you are. No, nothing beats a gun that's ready to go and is already already topped off, right? 
I mean, if there was some three gun shooter and you just had a guy following you around with a, you know, <laughs> a, 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 a golf club sack full of guns, it's like, oh, this one's empty here. Give me that and hand you another loaded gun. Well, handing you a loaded gun is faster than you trying to reload the gun you just emptied. Right. So I know that some people may argue with me on that, but I'm a fan of staging up multiple guns if you can afford it. And, you know, when you're out and about in your travels and you find a good deal on a semi-auto shotgun, I buy every 930 I can get my hands on for a good price. And I've bought the nine, the Mossberg 930s for as cheap as like 350 bucks. Wow, that's a smoke now, yeah, like, deal right they're there. They're ratty. They're a little beat up looking. They're a little scratched up. Probably been carried around a lot or, or thrown in someone's trunk. But mechanically, they're usually tip-top shape. And as long as it works well and you clean it and maintain it well, there's nothing wrong with a used shotgun either. So we discuss pistols, shotguns, you know, two very crucial self-defense components. Um, let's kind of get into rifles a little bit. So rifles are not by any way, shape, or form an outlier in this situation. And I don't want to think that because now we're, we're, it took us, you know, a half an hour to get around to rifles that they're not important because they are. Uh, so what are some of the benefits of rifles? Well, one, if you look at something like an AR-15, you've got rapid follow-up shots, um, you know, generous magazine capacity, definitely extended range over a handgun or shotgun. So that's a couple of the benefits. Um, you know, 5.56 is a reasonably powerful setup with proper bullet selection and good ammo choices. It can punch through quite a bit of armor, you know, light armor. Uh, it's also, like if you look at the 62-grain Federal FBI load, it's a bonded soft point load. Uh, for 200 yards and in, in terms of engagements at close range, and particularly a room-to-room fight or home defense situation, the bonded core 62-grain FBI load is probably one of the most devastating you know, AR loads there is in terms of a one-shot stop. Uh, that's why the FBI uses it. It's barrier blind. It can shoot through walls, through glass, and it won't, you know, affect the, you know, how well the, the round works. Um, it does lose a little bit of points at range. It's not really intended to be a long-range cartridge, uh, the 62-grain soft right. point. Uh, but for close in, and especially against people not wearing body armor, I mean, if some crook kicks in your door at the middle of the night, chances are they're probably not wearing armor. So someone who's not wearing armor they're going to have a very bad day against that 62-grain bonding core bullet. It's an exceptional bullet. So rifles are certainly have their place, but I believe that rifles also require a little bit more of a training regimen, a little bit more of a disposition to where you've got to really know your target and what's beyond it. Again, rifles are generally a lot more powerful, so they'll shoot a lot further. Uh, they're less forgiving in an in a urban environment. Let's say that you have to shoot at something. Well, when, if that round misses a target or whatever, it's going to go a very long way before it stops. So that's just something to, to keep in mind. I would uh, 100% agree with you. They are um, probably the most devastating CQC weapon um, that you can use. I mean, yeah, you would think a shotgun, but, I mean, you start throwing around, you know, five, five, six rounds into a room, especially overseas where it's not drywall, it's concrete, those things bounce around, man. You're going to have a nice little meat shredder in there. But here in the U.S., that thing's going to sail through rooms. It'll go through a house, man. Like you fire that from inside your house, you're going to have to worry about your neighbors. Yeah, you want to be careful about that sort of thing. And and again, it's one of those those deals where you want to select the proper tool for the proper job. Uh, now, energy on target, shotguns offer a heck of a lot of energy on target. I mean, a good shotgun slug, you're talking a tremendous amount of foot-pounds of energy. Now, granted, yeah, it may not punch uh, quite as far, but the thing is, something that is big and heavy, all right, and is moving relatively slow, will penetrate exceptionally well. And sometimes when you start getting something that is light and fast, um, it will penetrate, but maybe not as readily as that slow-moving slug or that slow-moving buckshot round. Might go through a little more than you think. Um, 5.56 is an exceptional cartridge for self-defense. It's got light recoil. It's easy to shoot. And I think the AR-15 is like something like a Daniel Defense Mark 18, like a you know, 10.5, 12.5-inch barrel AR. You know, Build an AR pistol with a 12.5-inch barrel. You know, put an obnoxious muzzle brake on it, <laughs> and a good uh, optic and a flashlight. 
And you got a winning combination, you know, for uh, self defense for sure. You know, I like the AR a lot. Um, I like the light recoil of the AR. I also like the uh, M1 carbine. I feel like the M1 is a great choice. Um, you know, some people just are not AR types of people, or, or maybe they want something a little different. But you know, the M1 carbine is a good home defense option. Uh, and there are some modern M1s that are out there. You can get like pistol versions, like the Enforcer version. Those are kind of cool. Um, but I would say the AR-15 is America's rifle. I mean, it just is. And I would say that if you are going to own only one semi-auto rifle, and especially if the intended purpose is for self-defense, you're not going to find a better tool than a good quality AR. I think that the pistol brace revolutionized um, what it meant to own a rifle um, because what used to be considered a rifle is now a pistol. Now, you'll hear people use that interchangeably, um, and they'll say, this is not a rifle, this is a pistol. It's shooting uh, a, a rifle around what was traditionally a rifle cartridge, uh, 5.56 five, or a two, two, three, um, and it's coming out of a 10.5-inch barrel, uh, sometimes less because you're not held to the same standards of having a rifle because now you're having, you have a pistol, but it revolutionized it in a way that the the AR platform is so unique because it no matter how much mass you remove from the rifle it never really increases the recoil impulse enough to affect your follow-up shot so the round itself is so light on recoil you could literally and I know that uh, Eric, I know that you have a few of them here that are just you know competition style guns where they're super light. You have uh, the bird cage, um, uh, the bird cage grips on it, and they're really light. But when you shoot them, the the round itself is very light on recoil, so it doesn't matter. You can have someone that has a very small frame shoot it, and it's not really gonna affect them that much. So even when you remove the stock and you replace it with a brace and you shorten the barrel it, it's in the end of the day it's still a very accurate weapon it's still very light on the recoil and anybody can shoot it i would i would say that any you know young young adult young teenager oh yeah they have no problem shooting that yeah five five six it purrs like a kitten yeah. and you know the 18 and 20 inch barrels with the full rifle length gas system have extremely smooth recoil impulses i mean the rifle's are absolutely way smoother than than the pistols but i will say yeah the pistol brace you know sp tactical has done a great job of normalizing the pistol brace yep. and i think that um you know it it, it is a handgun legally, legally by the way that this whole you know definition comes about but i think the the king of that situation is maneuverability mm -hmm. uh compact nature easier uh weapon to maneuver in the household easier to maneuver maneuver in and out of a vehicle and quite frankly, just easier to maneuver, period, because it's less length to swing around. It's lighter. Okay, and honestly, you could put a suppressor on your home defense uh, pistol, okay, and probably still have less length than running a full-length rifle like an A2. So I think that a lot of your operators and, you know, your troops that are going overseas and using AR-15s in, in an operational uh, perspective, uh, a lot of those guys are opting for the 12 and a half inch barrel because, yeah, you're not getting in a 500 yard gunfight. You're getting in a 100 yard or less gunfight. You know, your your Black Hawk helicopter is dropping you in a courtyard and you're going immediately into someone's building. Like it's, you know, it's a room to room fight. So I feel that for the home, for home defense, the Mark 18, it, it, to me, the Daniel Defense Mark 18, although an expensive gun, is probably one of the best universal. Uh, AR-15s that you could possibly get. I mean, like it's it's super accurate, good rigid barrels, uh, strength to weight ratio profile barrels, hammer forge barrels. They do that uh, in house too. Oh don't yes, they? exceptionally oh, yeah. well made guns. I mean, they're expensive, but they're good yep. quality. <laughs> now I'll say, if you don't want to spend a ton of money on an AR, but you still want to build a pistol or something, um, it's certainly not a bad idea to look into like Palmetto, Palmetto State Armory. You know, the PSA builds are not bad at all, and they've really come a long way 
and really upping that quality up in an exceptional way. So there's many, many different ways to get into an AR and not have to spend a ton of money. But if you do want to go the route of spending a chunk of change, you can't go wrong with the POF, uh, Daniel Defense, BCM. LMT, BCM. They're all very good quality rifle builders. Uh, my BCM 18-inch match guns are some of my most accurate ARs. They are absolutely singular, super fantastic, man, and just accurate. They just shoot dead nuts accurate. <laughs> they really are. I think we were but, talking about that the other day. But, but those Daniel Defense Mark 18s for a 12-and-a-half-inch barrel, dude, you know, 300 yards is not out of the question. I mean, it, the guns will shoot. Yeah. And it's interesting because 300 yards is is pretty standard for a, a full-size barrel. And to say, well, I'm going to reach out to 300 with a 12 and a half or even like a 10 and a half maybe, it's not outside the realm of possibility. Um, I mean, those guys do great barrel work. I think they're one of the only few that actually do their own barrels like in-house. Well, hammer forging. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's only two facilities with hammer forges in the United States, and Daniel Defense is one of them. Yeah. And we've actually been down there to their facility. Uh, if you guys haven't seen, check out Iraq Veteran 8888. Go over to my YouTube channel. And look up the Daniel Defense uh, factory tour, and you'll see all of the machines and everything. It, it is so freaking cool to see how these things are made. I mean, I'm just jealous of the Cerakote machine that he has. <laughs> he, he has an automated Cerakote machine that he can index all the parts in, and the machine sprays the finish. It's all done very professionally and just... Man, I could talk all day about how great that company is in terms of how they're producing these guns. I mean, they make these things from raw material to finished gun in-house, and there's not very many people that are actually manufacturing their own guns, like not subbing anything out. Now, there's a few parts that they sub out Mm -hmm. that they don't make there uh, in person, but the most crucial components of the the gun are made there. It's funny that you mention Cerakote because... Um, they're, they're pretty well known for that so much so that, uh, Oakley has a standard issue sunglass that they have. That's actually a Daniel defense line of Cerakoted sunglasses. So <laughs> all of their glasses come with a Daniel defense Cerakote coating on it. Um, and we will have those shortly. So, yep. yeah. So yeah, go over on Ballistic Inc. and check those out. So, you know, we are going to be carrying Oakley, and there's some other things like that that we've got access to. I know we're doing G-Shock now. So if you guys are interested in any kind of merch in the way of, you know, watches, sunglasses, we've also got some great cutlery. We're running a limited edition IRAC Veteran 8888 Microtech that you can get on the website Absolutely now. Absolutely amazing. Uh, go check that out. And if you want to support the podcast, you can certainly check out some, uh, you know, T-shirts, hats, hoodies, beanies. We, we do all different kinds of stuff over there on Ballistic Inc. So if you want to support the podcast, go pick yourself up some merch and support us. Okay, so rifles, shotguns, pistols. Those are probably the most crucial and discernible categories that you're going to break, you know, personal defensive, mm-hmm. uh, you know, weapons down into, okay? I feel like the pistol caliber carbine almost deserves its own category because it's not a rifle it's not a pistol it's a very specific tool that fills a very specific niche right and when i think of it i think of like an mp5 right yeah you know you wouldn't kick down a door or go into a situation armed with a pistol if you knew you were going into a gunfight but an mp5 maybe so that's kind of where i think about it like maybe a situation where a rifle is not merited but you need a little bit more than a handgun. Right. And that's where a PCC kind of comes in. Like, you're throwing a pistol caliber mm-hmm. uh, cartridge, but you're getting the feel, ergonomics, and shootability of a rifle. I feel, and I agree with you, in my opinion, I think the only reason you would have a true PCC, basically what we used to call submachine guns, um, because I kind of took that took that place would be two things. One, uh, you want to save on ammunition because you don't want to shoot up a lot of rifle ammunition. And traditionally, handgun ammunition is a little bit less expensive. Um, Or two, you have a full auto NFA submachine gun and you want to have fun with it and just go out there and just wreck targets. I think the, the actual pistol brace for their rifles really 
took that place of what you can do because why why bring a knife to a, a proverbial knife to a gunfight? Why yeah. are you going to bring a PCC that shoots a handgun load when you can have three hundred blackout or five right. five six yeah, and the same package? Yeah, and the same package that brace man it just it completely changed the game as far as why bring why why bring it like. Well, I think a PCC is a great type of a setup for someone that actually wants to shoot a lot, mm-hmm. uh, because as you mentioned, you know the ammo costs are considerably cheaper than running five five six, especially right now with the the pinch that COVID has put on uh, supply and with the you know slowing down of shipments right. and things like that, yep. and lots of companies have had a hard time keeping up with supply and demand, especially ammo companies because gun sales are up. In record numbers, so are ammunition sales. You know, you can't, you know, use your firearm without ammunition. So, of course, the ammo manufacturers are scrambling, trying to keep up with the demand. And as difficult as five five six has been to get, to be fair, nine mil is really hard to get too, because it's such a a popular cartridge that really has um, solidified itself as a mainstay in the personal defense realm, but also the recreational realm, whether that recreation is, hey, we're training and we're going to shoot up 500 rounds of 9mm out of a PCC to get that the same ergonomics of taking the safety off of an AR, right. pointing the yep. gun, doing what we need to do, shooting the gun, transitioning from primary to secondary, those training aspects, or whether it's, hey, my grandson wants to shoot my 9mm carbine and hey, let's just let's face it that nine mil is just cheaper to shoot than five five six. So whether it is because of the economical facets that go into it, or uh, from the the logistics uh, aspect of just being able to buy more for the same money, nine mil's here to stay. And I think a PCC does belong in that list somewhere, especially if the PCC it, it takes the same magazines as your primary pistol. That's a great marriage of those concepts. You could own a handgun. A PCC chambered in the same cartridge and takes the same mags, a semi-auto shotgun, an AR, and you're going to be pretty well-rounded. Because yeah. even in a hunting situation, say you needed to hunt game. Now, this is outside of the realm of this topic, but say you needed to hunt some game or something. Well, you could put some buckshot in a shotgun and go sit somewhere and, and kill a deer if you needed to. So a shotgun can fill the need of, of taking game if right. need be. It's very versatile. Yes. I, I just think my, my opinion was that I think that the whole pistol brace kind of, unless it's a full auto, um, it's really uh, at a disadvantage at this point. You're someone shows up, you pull up with the MP5 SD. It's I mean I'm, you're going to get cool points regardless if it's nine millimeter or not. <laughs> you're going to be like, oh my god, that's an that's a SD um, vector. You pull up with a full auto vector. You know it's a. 45 we pistol. actually have a video on the sd coming up nice uh, we were out at our friends uh out at ox ranch drivetanks.com uh they have a factory sd and ah, we did a, we did a video beautiful. on it i mean that's i told you before man like that's my my grail even though i mean i just sat here and and bagged on pccs but like i said you get a, you get yourself an sd or even like a, a vector man well, so and for those of you listening in that don't know, um, the SD is an integral suppressed MP5, but it's a little bit more than just integral suppressed. It's actually a special system uh, that is completely designed around the MP5, and it is a special suppressor system that actually takes supersonic ammunition and dumbs it down to subsonic by the time it leaves the barrel. So whether you're shooting subs whether you're shooting supers in terms of the velocity of the ammunition, it's going to sound pretty similar no matter what you're shooting out of it. So uh, it dumps a lot of gas off, and you do lose velocity out of a, out of the hotter rounds, but it's quiet. It's, yeah, and man, that's the point. From an quiet. operational standpoint, the SD is a very quiet system, and dare I say, one of the quietest uh, subguns of its type. I mean, the MP5, because it's a delayed roller blowback, actually... Uh, stays locked a lot longer, and the dwell times and all, it, they suppress exceptionally well. Yeah. Um, to, to me, I like them. I like the idea only if it's a full auto. So <laughs> that's that's my opinion. I hear you. Well, you know, the, the same argument could be made about the Daniel Defense Mark 18. I mean, thing is, you could put a good Elfman or Geisley trigger in the, in, in the Daniel Defense Mark 18, which I'm a Geisley guy. I, I prefer Mr. Geisley's triggers, but I like the Elfman's too. And I've shot some of the Wilson Combats. 
that are excellent. Uh, the Wilson Combat AR trigger is great. Elftman, uh, Geisley, and look, uh, the Timney drop-in AR triggers are fantastic as well. And you'd be surprised with some practice how fast you can shoot that sucker and how accurately you can shoot it. Yep. And sometimes, you know, the disposition of being a little bit more precise in your actions is usually going to outweigh the need for a suppressive type of fire. Uh, having that giggle switch is great, but I think from a perspective of identifying your target, knowing what's beyond it, and then making that split decision, uh, you know, type of, of of a decision quickly and concisely, and in a way that you come out alive, I think that um, you know there's nothing wrong with a good semi-auto either, because it sort of forces you to feel like, all right, I'm going to own this trigger squeeze, no matter where this round goes, I own this trigger squeeze. And, uh, and I think a lot of your operators, you know, if you were to talk to John Lovell or, or any guys like that, you would probably find that the majority of those dudes in country and in a combat environment probably primarily use their weapon on semi-auto. If not always, yeah. It, it is a direct and deliberate action, right? It's deliberate violence that they're, they're doing, but, but it's more controlled. It's controlled chaos, I guess is the way you would call it, but... That could go a, di- a few different ways. Um, of course, it can't be a bad thing to have a machine gun. I mean, I'd, I'd love to have a full auto M16 lower, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, it, that goes to reason that there are specific roles within that unit where if you are a machine gunner, like, that's what you do. I mean, you train yeah. specifically. You have a different set of, you know, actions that you're going through, yes. You know, you have the guys that are, you know, the door kickers. But you do have that saw gunner, you know, pulling rear security, and he's the last one in the house, and his job is to mold. Like, that's his job, and he's going to go through, and if he hears things that he shouldn't be hearing, he's just going to gonna yeah. rake it. He's going to rake the whole room, man. So. Well, there's always the option of having, you know, a, a good pistol lower and building a, a fight light pistol. Yeah. Uh, now, I have a fight light uh, belt-fed upper on my AR, and I actually currently have a 16-inch barrel on it, which is great. Nothing wrong with a 16-inch barrel. I bought a 12-inch barrel for it because it's a pistol build. So that's one of those <laughs> weird things. So I've got a <laughs> a short AR that's belt-fed with a 12-inch barrel, suppressor, and ACOG, but it's a pistol. Right. <laughs> it's technically considered a handgun. Hey, it is a handgun. We're living in the within the rules that were put out there. So, I mean, it's, it's the yep. way it is, man. You have to live within that world. That's right. Well, guys, no matter what type of gun you choose, I mean, I know times are weird right now, and there are a lot of new gun owners, uh, as we mentioned earlier. Okay, but no matter what you choose, no matter what uh, type of idea that you come up with, uh, always, always, always make sure that you – Understand what you're getting yourself into. Understand what your options are and choose, you know, the correct option for you as a person and what works for you and your family and for your individual situation. And uh, get a little training if you need it. Can't can't be a bad a bad option is to try to, you know, maybe get a little little training. Absolutely. Can't hurt. Um, but anything else for a map? I would say we have a couple more minutes. Let's do an NFA wild card. Let's just say you said, you know what? I'm going to splurge and I'm going to buy whatever my heart desires that's, you know, transferable. Okay. So let's say that you could defend your home with a machine gun. Oh, yeah. What would it be? You know, I'm a fan of the Swedish K. Hmm. I like the Swedish K machine gun. Okay. Okay. I'd have a Swedish K. I would go... With some Hurtenberger ammunition, like the hottest 9 mil I could find. Jeez. I would go with a... And I, we spoke about this like a while back. I was asking you. I would go. I would just go with a full auto transferable M16, throw a fight light upper on it, Ooh. belt fed, <laughs> get you a nut sack, and <laughs> you go to town. I mean, and guys, if you're pricing that out, you're in it for about... 25 25 grand $25,000 that'll get you what you want that's right (laughs) and it it would be legal (laughs) it's a transferable legal within the confines of the ATF there's something in the gun world for everybody every price point every situation so that's the beauty of it we have the second amendment and we live in an amazing country where we can protect ourselves in any way that we you know deem fit 
And I think it's awesome that we have the tools available for us to uh, protect our liberty, protect our sovereignty and our communities and each other, and most importantly, our families and our homes. Yep. And uh, there's a lot of different ways to accomplish that. Hopefully, we discuss some of those ways. Have a great day, guys. We really appreciate it. Make sure you tune in every Friday here for Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit. For a new episode, uh, we're on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, some of these episodes will drop on YouTube over on Iraq Veteran 8888. Be sure to check those out. You can see us on there uh, eating hot peppers and you know trying hot sauce and all kind of goofy stuff like that. So, uh, And then sometimes when we have uh, special guests, we like to film it. So you'll see some of our special guests over on the channel if you'd like to see our smiling mugs uh <laughs> in video form you can check it out on iraq veteran 8888 uh thank you guys have a great day thanks for listening in uh be free live free and protect yourselves we'll see you soon bye everybody thanks for listening to life liberty and pursuit if you enjoyed the show be sure to subscribe on apple podcasts spotify and anywhere else podcasts are found be sure to leave us a five-star review we'd really appreciate that you can support us over on Ballistic Inc. by picking yourself up some merch. And remember, guys, dangerous freedom. Have a good one.